Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Boom sauce, everybody. Boom sauce. We are honored to have a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, Brad Foe Show Hall of Famer. I believe the first inductee into the Brad Foe Show Hall of Fame, David Ross. And as we talk about on this podcast, the Chicago Cubs manager last time he was on the podcast was not yet the Chicago Cubs manager. He was two days away from being named the manager. And as we talk about on the podcast, when you come on the podcast, good things happen, and they sure did. Uh, in this case, in this time around, manager of the year, who knows? I mean, he's one of the three finalists, so that's we, we give him congratulations anyway. But David Ross, always awesome, always very uh, accommodating and coming on the podcast, whether he's manager, whether he's dancing with the stars, whether he's playing for the Red Sox, whatever it is. He's great, and he was great once again in this podcast. So let's take a listen. It's not every day you get a chance to have a Hall of Famer on your podcast, but we have a Hall of Famer, David Ross, Bradford Show <laughs> Hall of Famer. I think you were the. I think you were the. I think you were the first inductee. I actually think you were the first inductee. That was. I thought. I thought you were going to say it's not every day you get to have a Hall of Famer on your show, and today is one of those days we don't get to have a Hall of Famer. <laughs> on your show. No, no, no. It was. You know, it is. It was. Almost exactly. It was basically a year and a week ago we did a podcast. And two days after we did the podcast, you were named manager of the Cubs. So in two days, get ready for something really, really good to happen to you. <laughs> okay. I like it. Bro, I talk to you every day, buddy, if that's the case. I that, like that, that, isn't, that, isn't that crazy to think, though? I mean, I, I remember you were – and I think that that sealed your induction into the Hall of Fame, the fact that you were so amenable to coming on the podcast uh, – after being interviewed for the job, um, so but that's crazy. It was a year ago, right? Uh, does, yep. he, he, uh, does it feel like a year? I know this is like a, no, a stupid it, question. It, feel, but... it feels like seven years ago. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> you know, between the uh, between you know, I was actually joking with somebody um, during the season. Uh, I did this. Uh, I don't know if you probably seen it with that Jim Beam commercial. Yes, uh, that played right. So I did that in January. And, you know, it didn't play until the season started. And I, I promise everybody's like, it literally felt like three years since I've done that, done that commercial. Oh, and man. when it shot it, because, I mean, we had the regular spring training and, and all the stuff leading up to, the, to, to that. And then, you know, the shutdown and then summer camp and everything that's been going on in our country and, and baseball. And, um, yeah, it, felt, it feels like a, a long time. It's a short window for sure, but it, it definitely feels like a lot's happened uh in in that span so file this under questions that i wasn't planning on asking but i have to now how, <laughs> how did how did the, how did you get a jim beam commercial well it's one of those things like your agent calls and um you know you're kind of in the middle of well i'm a little busy right now and a good opportunity uh to represent a good brand and and a well-known brand and uh and then you kind of they work out the logistics and um, that, you know, they made it worth my while, and it, it was one of those, uh, you kind of read the script, and it was pretty funny, and uh, I liked it. So, yeah, you just kind of went forward with it, and, um, you know, it's funny. The uh, the players would give me a lot of, a, a lot of ribbing uh, in the middle of all that. That was, that was pretty fun. So, uh, how long was, again, the questions that I didn't think I would be asking, but how long does that take? Is it like a week? It was, 
No, no, no. Two days. Uh, yeah, it was a two-day well, two window. I flew in. We did it in Atlanta. I flew in um, uh, the night before. Uh, had a, you know, there's a lot of stipulations with crew and how long they can work. And so I think we, we banged it out in two days. And I was, I think the second day I was home by like six or seven o'clock um, that night. So, yeah, it wasn't fairly easy. And, um, you know, it was a good, good group to work with, the, the guys that, uh, the directors and 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 the whole crew they were just it was it was it, it, i had a good time uh doing it i sure. i'm so. gonna go on a limb and saying that the jim the jim beam money is easier than the dancing with stars money <laughs> yeah that's, that's, you're not going on any limb there that was uh that was that was much easier a lot less physical uh exertion on my part that's for sure do you watch do you now that they, they they kick back up the otherwise Otherwise known as the uh, the David Ross dancing competition, um, do you watch that? Do you watch that now? I mean, I I, I, tune, I, I yeah, I'll tune in um, if it's on, you know, with the kids or something. Or uh, Lindsay's not. I have been watching this year. Lindsay, my partner, it's kind of you know you create that relationship. Uh, you know, I feel like I've got another another family member after she she took me on that journey. So it's. Um, it's one of those things I check in with her, but she's pregnant. She's expecting a baby any day. So, um, I, I've kind of not been tuned in this year, but the past I would watch cause she was on and I root for her and follow through social media a little bit on, on their post. And, uh, you kind of, it's one of those things when you, when you go through that and we're on it as long as I was, it's, uh, it's kind of the, the whole, you know, the people that put it on the crew, the cast, everybody's kind of kind of become friends and and um, kind of kind of distant family so you kind of just keep it keep track of everybody it has been crazy like i said a year ago like we you were talking about all this stuff you know the dancing with the stars and the jim beam stuff and you know we've we've talked plenty of times about you know since you retired and and even since you left for the red sox but th- like you said this year has been just nuts so i guess the easy question to ask is you know the covid stuff aside Managing a baseball team was it? I guess maybe you can't put the COVID stuff aside, but ma- managing a baseball team was it what you thought it would be like? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, no. Um, yeah, it's just a lot. It's a there's it's just a lot more. And this year, like you said, you can't put it aside because it it really did. You know, uh, everything about it uh, was, was taxing on that end, right? Like mentally, uh, emotionally, um, just without fans, uh, dealing with protocols and, and, and daily testing, you know, there's just a lot more that, uh, that kind of went into it other than the baseball aspect. So, um, I, let me tell you, it's, it's really rewarding because of the group of guys I have and the organization I represent, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun in, in that and, and some rewarding moments, but, um, yeah, it definitely a lot different. And I thought it's just more, I don't think mm. you realize your managers you've played for, uh, we're dealing with stuff behind the scenes or, um, you know, player, player issues that may come up with their family or things they're dealing with off the field. Um, you know, you, you're talking about, uh, trainer and training room, strength conditioning group, coaching staff that you're managing, uh, front office, especially in this season where they couldn't really have direct contact with a whole lot here managing and communicating with them and trying to trying to keep them um, feeling good or, or what you're working on and how you're growing. I just, you know, there's a lot more into it that, that, that's 
that goes into it than just kind of managing uh, the baseball team. And, and I, maybe most people know that, but mm. um, I definitely didn't know how many how many issues come through a manager's door on a daily basis. And, and uh, you know, I have, a, I have much more respect for uh, the managers I've played for now uh, <laughs> since, since doing this job for, for a year. In terms of in terms of um, the in-game, let's say the, the in-game, because like you said, the COVID stuff, it's, it's almost you doubled your job. I mean, basically, you know, when you went for your job interview a year ago, they didn't say, okay, how, did you, how would you handle a pandemic? That wasn't part of the equation. But the actual games itself, what do you have a new appreciation for um, that the managers – that a manager has to deal with or it may be a little bit more difficult in managing the game itself? Well, I think, I think the – you know, we talk, especially in the media, we talk a lot about um, the numbers and when guys are going good and bad and what the matchups might be, whether it's in the bullpen or, or in your lineup uh, for your position players. But like, you do have human beings who have feelings and heartbeats and, and egos. And um, you know about that, but, you know, trying to keep everybody um, – in the right frame of mind, pushing them in the right direction. Um, this the same messaging that you want to you want to create that you think uh, embodies winning, uh, and doing that in a way of, of whether it's the you know twenty sixth, twenty seventh guy on your roster or it's a superstar. It, they're all they're all um, human beings and and communicating. I mean, I felt like I would be a, a communicator as a manager, a guy that would try to try to err on the side of extra communication and. And I would say, like, that's double what I thought it would be. You're just always trying to make sure that they understand where you're coming from, how you're viewing them, how you plan on using them, how to set them up for success, and, and how they can get better, too, and grow and work. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of challenges for sure, but that's one that just, as, as we talk right now, that's just stood out. It's not – you can study the numbers all you want, but um, pitch hitting for a guy in a big situation, there's a lot more that goes into it than just a better matchup on your bench. Um, because there's repercussions in, in how, how the person handles it and how to talk to them. Well, well, and you still have to make the move when you find the right matchup, but there's also then there's there's follow-up with communication. There's follow-up in what's going to happen next time. There, there's trying to let them know why you like the matchup or why you're pinch hitting. And, um, I, try to, I try to let them know so they always know what I'm thinking and, and, and we're on the same page and they continue to, to have the right, right frame of mind because well, it is – I've been pitching for a lot, Rob, and it's, <laughs> it was never fun. I, I knew I was probably one of the worst hitters on the team, but every time I was pissed off that I got pinch hit for. So um, that doesn't I, – I understand where they're coming from and, and how that can hurt your feelings. Well, it's you You bring up a great topic, a great point about the, the juggling the analytics, juggling the numbers. And, you know, we talk about the numbers, maybe the numbers in terms of just flat-out matchups. But then there's the, the deep-dive analytics, which I know obviously the Cubs, like a lot of teams, are, are very, very much into. And, you know, they sort of evolve more and more every day. And I and we this came up with Ron Renicky, I think, this year, where is you know, you're being besieged by numbers. You're being besieged by information. And like at the end of the day though, like you as the manager have to decipher like what is the thing that you really want to do and what are the things that you really don't want to do. And was there was that balance hard for you? Uh yeah. Yeah. I think well you're talking about the, the nuts and bolts of it all, right? At the end of the day, uh whoever's given you the numbers don't sit in front of the microphone at the end of the day and answer the questions. And they're not the ones getting blasted when things don't work out. I think, 
Um, you know, I really try to um, trust my instinct, right? Like the the my experience and the and the things that I've I've gained that a lot of people don't have, and and the reason why I'm sitting in that seat is because of my experiences that I've was able to um, have over my career. So I tried to to lean on those with. Um, I've got great people around me, my pitching coach, uh, my bench coach, um, you know, Mike Borzello, who helps with the catching when it comes to, to making some, some pitching um, moves or like a bullpen spot. I've got great guys around me that continue to ask situations and numbers and um, kind of lean on, lean on them for, for analytical information. But I also, there's that trust factor that am I going to lay my head down well tonight if this doesn't work out that i put the best person um in the situation to succeed for for him and for for us to win the ball game so uh it's definitely a a really fast moving uh process that that takes a little bit of minute to get adjusted to but um you know i was happy the, the way things worked out i learned a ton this year um and yeah I, those are those are mm. uh those are decisions that uh, ultimately, that's what the managers paid to do. So that's that I tried to try to make sure I took ownership of that and and balance try to balance that as best I can. But that's a that's a, a work in progress always. Up to well, life. I think it's a work in progress for everybody. Everyone's trying yeah. to figure it out. And you know, it's you look at and you, know, you must have looked at the postseason, the World Series in particular. And you listen, yeah. managing's a fraternity, right? I mean, it's. Yep. And you know what these guys are going through, and, and when when Cashy gets the heat that he does at that last game, I mean you, that must have been like a kick in the gut for all managers because that could have been anybody, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know what, Rob is like, of course, like you know, hindsight's a funny thing. There's no uh, Joe Madden used to say, uh, you know, there's a lot of outcome biases when uh, when after the fact, but there's only one person making that that move and. Um, you're in you're in the sixth game of a World Series, and you have your process that you've gone through to get to that. That's the one thing it, it's, it's hard to go against is, is your process. And um, I try to look back on like Dave Roberts went through a little bit of that before he won his first World Series. Oh, like, sure, yeah, guys are, right. Like so, and so there's there's a learning curve for managers too that when you're in certain moments and and making making decisions, like you're going to learn from every decision that you make, especially the ones that go wrong or you feel like you. May, if you could go back and do it differently, maybe you would, or or you would look at it through a different lens and and understand uh, certain scenarios. But um, yeah, man, it, it stinks to because you realize how much criticism comes with that of people that um, you know may not have may have never sat in that seat. And there's just a, there's a great appreciation when you when you sit in the seat and actually have to kind of put your neck out there uh, and, and, and make those make those calls because that's your job. Well, you bring up Madden. I mean, going back to the, the year guys, you guys won the World Series, yeah. game six, right? I mean, the heat that he, he caught got, for Chapman. He got crushed and we won, right? Right, I mean. <laughs> we won and he got, he got crushed. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, that, that's the stuff that gives you the, 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 the kind of, the I guess, a little bit of the, bitterness that i get when you see that judgment from the outside of people that really have no idea that that sit in that seat so you do you do feel you feel bad for uh maybe bitterness is not the right word but like you feel bad for uh people that that you know you, you make a decision and it doesn't go right and you know it is what it is well all right so uh, now i'm going to take you back in time and and play the game of David Ross, manager of the 2013 Red Sox and oh boy. and i mean but you so you talk about you know having a new appreciation for 
all the different things that you every team every team's different every clubhouse is different um when you look back at that team like how what did you maybe take away from maybe what Farrell had to go through as manager of that team but i will say this though you guys were a pretty self not to take anything away from john but you guys were a self-sufficient team you had a lot of 30 somethings and um but how would how would david ross um, what, what, looking back at that, how would you approach that team? Yeah, I think, you know, well, <laughs> geez. um, yeah, I think that, that, that team, one thing I'll say about that team is like John all the way down to like the training staff and Russ, the masseuse, like this is a, this was a great coaching staff and we were surrounded by great people, right? Like the front office felt like everybody was on board, the coaching staff, everybody. And it was a, a group of veteran players that kind of kind of policed themselves and knew how to play. So I don't know there's much I would change. What, what stands out to me is, like, the adversity that was overcome in the bullpen. We had Joel Hanrahan that was supposed to be the closer. He got hurt. And then ba- uh, Bailey. Bailey got Bales got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And then Koji kind of emerges through yeah, to get one of the and, best second and, halves. And Tazawa, uh, did, T- Tazawa like, didn't want to be the closer. Like He was no. before Koji, right, for like a couple right. games. Right. Taz, Taz is ended up being, being our eighth guy, and you got Brez. I mean, are you talking about – I think about Brandon Workman now being on that team and, and getting big outs in game six. You know, it's, it's – it's, uh, it, and you, you're looking back. Like, that was kind of like reshaping that bullpen and, um, you know – what stood out to me is like the commitment from the front office of a, like, I don't know that publicly there's a lot of people that believe still, you know, really believed in our team and, um, you know, what we were playing for, right. was bigger than just the world series that year with all that was going on with the bombing and, and, um, and had happened to that city. So, uh, for the front office to go out and get like Jake Peavy and, and really add the best, you know, one of the best starting pitchers you could get on the market at the time and, um, giving up a real piece and, and, um, you know, Iglesias, I think, uh, just show the commitment to winning and, and yeah, John dealing with a lot of big market and, and having belief in his players was, was pretty strong. How, how, do you have a new appreciation from, from that team and maybe from other teams about something that maybe baseball is devaluing, which is the clubhouse? Like you said, you guys were able to police yourself quite a bit. And you see it so much now where even guys who haven't performed – who they not only aren't prioritizing guys in the clubhouse, they aren't prioritizing what they've done before. They're saying, well, if we fix this or we fix this and we see the spin right here, we, I think they're going to be good and we're going to prioritize that. But the clubhouse like environment and, and that mentality and the importance of that, maybe, maybe I'm off base, but it seems like it's being devalued more than ever. Well, I think that I think what yes, and, and what you're saying, yeah, I definitely noticed that. But what you're also saying and that I noticed is like the appreciation for a veteran bench player ha- is is kind of gone away. Like the the bench um, is a difficult thing to um, to be a bench player is 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 not easy, right? You have to be comfortable in your in your ability to work and stay sharp and, and not playing every day because that's the the big thing you hear now is like, I'm not getting enough bats. I need to play every day. I'm going to succeed. The, 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 the veteran that knows how to be a bench player and a good teammate and help in the clubhouse, like those guys are really invaluable because you get performance when maybe a younger guy is struggling or you need to give a day off for, for a guy. It, it's really hard to give your star players day off because every game, especially in the 60 game season that I was a part of every game mattered. So 
um, it was extremely taxing mentally and physically on these guys uh, for, for everything they were going through. And to have that veteran bench guy, like we got Cam, Cameron Maven at the trade dot line this year, uh, or Jose Martinez, it was nice to be able to slide those guys in there when one, a guy may need a, a break to reassess his swing or um, a day off uh, mentally or, or, or just put uh, a better player in there uh, for maybe a little stretch and give somebody time to regroup and work on some things. You know, those, those, those guys are, are, I don't see them a whole lot. I just feel like they're really valuable for being professional and, and teaching the younger guys. I was taught by veterans how to act and how to carry myself, how to play, how to prepare uh, off the bench, how to be stay ready. Like those kind of things are very important in our game. And, and I, you hate to, you hate to see, um, that kind of going away a little bit and, and kind of going not younger. I mean, the, the talent's there, but it's just the fact that you have to learn. You, you're, you're constantly teaching right now. The coaching coaching's so important, I think, at the big league level because you're teaching so much. So there's a lot that goes into it. But, yeah, I definitely think there's a – that was one of the, the strengths of that 13 team is that we all um, – felt like we knew what what we were doing and how, how to go about our business whether we were uh or where they were everyday players or, or kind of a role player like myself speaking of speaking of guys good guys in the clubhouse this this now officially begins the john lester portion of the podcast was it what, <laughs> what was it like was it what you to go back to my question was it what you thought it would be like uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was way worse it was, it was way worse man taken one of the First of all, taking John Lester and his resume speaks for itself. So I don't need to, to kind of roll that off here. But I, going in there and taking a friend out of a game, one who really put a lot of money in my pocket, and, and I wouldn't have my job without that guy. He, he, he's won two World Series rings for me. Um, he got me everything that is coming my way. Uh, he, he's done so much for me and my family, my kids, my life in general, and – He's a friend, a really good friend, one of my best friends in baseball. So um, to go in and take that guy out like, in the fourth inning with like 64 pitches as I did one day, like it's gut-wrenching. Like I'm like, I don't want to go tell him that. And then, you know, even my coaching staff's like, oh, boy, you're really doing this? I'm like, yep, we're, here we go. You know, it's kind of that balance between I know this, this, is the, I know this is the right decision, but I really don't want to do it. Can somebody else tell him he's out of the game? Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of, there's a lot of that um, in there, and uh, we had some good conversations throughout the year. He's such a professional, and he's um, still, you know, one of my best friends in baseball. But, like, yeah, that, that's the that's, I mean, that's, it's, that's it's, the worst. I mean, this is, again, this is something that you think that you, you're prepared for. But this isn't – I remember an executive when the Red Sox were thinking of hiring Cora for another team, and they said, I don't think it's going to work out because of his relationship with Pedroia. And, and th- that's the dynamic. Now, Pedroia was hurt, so it wasn't really a factor. But, like, that is something that, like, you don't know until you actually have to deal with it and until you have to take him out of that game, until you, you get the stink eye from your friend that you never had gotten before. You know? Yeah, well, I took uh, – I took- Craig Kimball out of a bases loaded uh eight seven game he was he wasn't doing well and um we were in Cincinnati and I mean I remember walking out there and he was like you really take me out of this game I'm like yep (laughs) you know like you know I don't want to Craig like I if I wouldn't be out here if if I thought you could get it done but um you know and we worked through some things and we you communicate you talk about it I let them 
come in my office and tell me how they feel. And I tell them where I stand. And um, the great, really, Rob, like what's made, what made all those uncomfortable moments and the, you know, things that you just hate and, and they're gut wrenching is the type of human beings I got to manage, like John, like Craig, who, continue to come to work, continue to stay positive. Like it's not, it's not personal. It's, it's, it's just business. It's work. And we can still talk about it and we can move forward because of the human beings that they are. It's not, it's not about the manager. It's about letting it, letting the information go and then trusting in the character of the person to continue to work, to get better and, and be at their best the next time they get out there. Cause you need all those guys. You need them all. The manager, you're only as good as your players, right? Like, I don't know why that's not said enough because we talk about the managers and, and the moves that they make. And like, really you're just trusting and these guys are going to perform well. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but um, you're trying to set them in a situation to succeed. And um, that's why the players get paid the big bucks. You know, they're, they're, they're really good at their job. And um, you know, it's just a really hard game. <laughs> well, you were, you're a unique position where you took going back to Lester, where you were there when he left, Boston in 2014, correct? I'm not getting right. out of time. Yeah. Yep. And we, we all went through that and the, the trade deadline and everything. And he talked about how, you know, that's one of the things that he regretted that he didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And then, you know, you obviously have what happened at the end of the year um, this year and him going out and buying 5,000 beers for people. Um, that was so cool. Oh, how right. Was that? Right. I mean, oh, it has so to, cool. it has to be, it has to be one of the best moves by a player. Like, yeah. I- no doubt. I, I'm actually pissed that I'm not in Chicago. Like, I would have actually went and got a beer, like, just because it was on John. You know, like, just, just to put another one on his tab. Not that I haven't had enough on, on his tab well, was, already yeah. in my life. But just one more one more for Johnny. Um, man, I, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I know the fans loved it. It's getting some good attention. But when I first saw that, I'm like, that's, that's so pro. And he's doing his beer and the tip and the whole – the whole thing, man. That's just who he is, right? Like, he's just so professional and so – he's got such a big heart, man. I don't – I wish more people uh, – he doesn't let a lot of people in, as you know. Uh, I know you know him well, but, like, um, he, that's who he is, man. He's a he's a giver. He's he's a guy that's got a ton of love in his heart for, for his charity, for other people, and he's such a professional, man. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy for him and, and – uh, being a part of his career as much as I have been able to. He's a special man. Well, now the question has to be asked. If he bought five or nearly 5,000 beers for Chicago, what's your estimate of how many beers he has bought for David Ross over the years? Has it <laughs> oh, been, has it been 5,000? Oh, yeah, it's, it's bigger than 5,000, that's for sure. I, I think I, – I don't know that I've drank 5,000, but we I've been in the, the groups of where he's bought over 5,000 for sure. <laughs> In the groups that we hang out with, uh, him and Lackey and, uh, you know, Gomes and Knapp and, and that whole that whole, uh, that whole crew, he, he's definitely bought way more than 5,000. I, five, 5, I feel like a uh, a certain September off day at the Vinoy in um, 2013 may have, may have, may have come close yeah. to that total. By, by the pool, for sure. There's like the slurred speech, you know, like by, by, by 1230, it's like, wait, John, you might have to take a nap, get a tan we can get back at it at four o'clock. You know. <laughs> uh, so, do you pound the table um, for him to to give it another go around, or are you just sort of saying, you know, Theo? I, I, I think you know. I think they know my position, right? I I definitely think there's there's more in the tank for John. Um, you know, that's Jen Theo's area. I try to I try to uh, 
I try to, you know, tread lightly on that. They're really good and have a lot of experience. If they ask my opinion, I give it to them. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I think John uh, is, is going to have a really good year next year. Uh, I hope it's with us. Um, but, you know, the, the, the business aspect of the game right now is so far out of my league uh, with all that's, that's happening and, and with COVID and all that. You know, those guys are, are dealing with budget stuff and, um, you know, roster construction. You know, that's I, I was never a big fantasy football guy, and this is much more than fantasy football. So, it's, uh, you know, we talk and we have, I have some input and, and uh, you know, Jed bounces things off of me. But, um yeah, I you know I leave that to them. Yeah. They know they know what stand. He was, I mean, he. I know that his numbers, his final numbers, weren't great. But you start with the the, the five no hit innings to begin the year, and you know he's. And I know that I talked to him in May, and he had talked about the importance of coming back and proving that you know that 2019 was sort of an aberration. And he did have obviously up and downs this year, but. It's not like this guy, you know, didn't show anything this year. I mean, he- no. Well, if you look back, what's really, you know, uh, I don't want to get the world this guy report on John, but like he came into spring training at some velocities that he hadn't been at that early since really since he had been to uh, Chicago. So he came in in a really good place. Um, I think for a lot of people, especially veteran players, what I noticed it was really tough to stay sharp during the quarantine time, right? Like it was, you know, you saw some of these guys that really had great years. You know, saw some guys that just really couldn't get it going. I think John was in the middle of that. He hit some some highs and lows. Like you said, he had some really good spurts. So I know it's there in there, but the velocity never really ticked back up uh, to where I think he can he can get. And, and having uh, an off season and really re, reworking his, his program and in downtime, uh, I think, like I said, I think you're going to see a really uh, good John Lester next year. Well, so are you, uh, now that you've had this sort of month, you're ready to go. You're ready to go again. You're ready. There will be, yeah, there, there yeah, will I mean, be, there'll be no winter meetings. There'll be no, you know, we don't even know what spring training is going to look like. But I would imagine, though, David, that, you know, you get through this year. I mean, it was sort of like, and I know that you guys had a great year. Congratulations on on your your being a finalist manager of the year you were correct yes okay yes. i want to make sure that i because i did not have that i did not have national league manager of the year vote i had american league cy young vote which may be the easiest vote of all time um <laughs> so uh but but i want to congratulate you sincerely on all of that stuff but still you probably Thanks. were like okay let's go you know let's go i got this under my belt let's go uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited to get back i'm i think the main thing that i'm thinking about rob is like you know i would like to get let's get it back to a little bit more normal than last year you know we do want to get some fans back around i want to you know some of the the issues of being in the bubble and just you know the mental toll that that took on everybody being away from your family for for the periods of time and trying to get through a season without the covid outbreak and was it tougher uh, was it tougher than you thought david like in terms of like that side of it of no fans of doing the tests of doing the protocols all of that i mean because my thought was teams that are going to be eliminated they're going to be like jumping ship but yeah it was well there was a there was a pride factor in some of it right i think the hard part was you were just waiting for something to go wrong the entire time you know because it was always oh we've got an inconclusive test or uh, we've got this guy's got a stomach ache, and it really would just be a stomach ache. But you got to send them out a game and make sure they're okay, or 
um, and get them tested. Everything was having to follow with testing. And then you got even stricter for the playoffs and, and, and starting to move all your stuff and, and becoming that, that hotel bubble. And um, you didn't go out to eat. There were no interactions with uh, really friends or family, um, you know, just getting out on the, on the town every once in a while, which players need and coaches need just a, a release, go to a bar, watch a football game after a, a, a Sunday day game. And, and you go and have a couple of cocktails and, uh, just unwind and be normal for a minute. You know, there was none of that. So it was, it was constantly, um, you know, kind of mentally on, you know, you're in this in confinement and, um, it's tough after a while when we're used to, to being around a lot of folks. And so, mm. um, I think that was the main thing. I don't know if it was tougher than I thought is just so much different. And I was learning for me, it, it, it was all new. So, um, I was just learning on the fly and asked a lot of questions. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I can't say this enough. Thank goodness. I had, um, such a great support staff with, with, uh, how this organization's run from the top all the way down to my coaching staff and the players, bat boys. Like we just, we've got a really good, good traveling secretary everybody's just really uh, on top of their game which really helped me out well like i said uh now i'm going to congratulate you on winning the manager of the year because obviously when you do this podcast great things happen we and when we (laughs) when we started the podcast i didn't know what it was but now i have identified it uh in a few days you will be accepting your award so i want to i want to congratulate you ahead of time so good job i appreciate that thank you so much Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on and give my speech on your podcast. Oh man! Oh, oh! oh right. See, don't we'll say, don't say that because I'll actually hold you to it. <laughs> All right, David. All right, Rob. Good to talk to you, man.